Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. If you're looking for more of the gripping mysteries you love, the Forensic Files 2 podcast is back, and it's packed with plenty of twists and turns. Come along as investigators, scientists, and other experts piece together evidence, clues, and data in search of the answers behind violent crimes, unexplainable mysteries, and other strange occurrences. Listen to Forensic Files 2 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fans of the 48 Hours podcast know that a good lead is always worth checking out. And if you're a listener who enjoys from the car, you'll want to know that the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, the new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain or wherever your story takes you. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. We are never going to be the same. Driving at night is never going to be the same. And we all feel that it never should have happened. I was the first female district judge to be on a criminal bench in Travis County. Governor Bush appointed me in 1999. I think the fact that I was expecting twins brought a lot of attention to the whole process. Attorneys, please approach. I treated people in my courtroom with respect and kindness and patience, but firm when I needed to be. The defendant stands charged with the offense of capital murder. I knew that there was a potential threat because of the high-risk people that I'm seeing every day. The decisions I make every day, someone's not going to leave happy. It was a Friday. I had family, and we are going to go to the football game, you know, Texas football on Friday night. Will and I and my sister drove. It was just like any other night. We always went to the football games every Friday night. My cousin and aunt were coming in town, so I was excited to see them and have a good night. It was rainy, so after halftime, we decided to head home. Will had his learner's permit, so he drove. My mom was next to me in the passenger seat. My aunt and cousin were in the back. So we drove up to the security gate, and we drove into our driveway. And as we were pulling in the driveway, I saw a leaf bag that was blocking the gate. And we thought it was strange. I thought it was a prank. And so we, Will got out of the car. Got out and picked it up and then started to walk down 
towards the street with it. And I saw someone start to kind of walk down the street, uh, and I noticed he was dressed in all black, and I thought it was a little weird. And then all of a sudden, he just started running straight at me. And so I turned around and ran back to my mom's side of the car. And then he uh, pulled out a gun and started shooting. I think he shot four times through the driver's side window. I scooted down as far as I could in the seat, and I protected my head with my arm and my hand. I can remember thinking, I'm going to die in front of my own son. Travis County 911. Hey, hello, 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 we just got shot at. Is anybody injured? My mom is, please hurry. Um, this guy just went up to the car and shot my mom. <laughs> I got called by one of the supervisors in the homicide unit uh, who told me there had been a shooting um, and that the victim of the shooting was State District Court Judge Julie Kosurek. Well, when you're a judge, you potentially have a lot of enemies. She'd sent a lot of people to prison. There are potentially hundreds, uh, if not thousands, of, of individuals who, who might hold a grudge against her. We didn't know who did this and it just shows you that you'd never know who it's gonna be. Some of the facts I discovered while reporting for 48 hours are surprising. According to FBI data, most home break-ins happen in broad daylight. So as the days get longer, protect your home with Simply Safe. Named Best Home Security Systems of 2024 by U.S. News and World Report, Simply Safe protects your home while cameras keep watch 24/7. So even while watching true crime TV, you can feel safe and secure. Plus, the system is backed by professional monitoring for less than one dollar a day. Try Simply Safe for 60 days risk-free. If you don't love it, you could get a full refund. Our listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. That's simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. There's no safe like Simply Safe. In search of more mysteries to listen to, get an Audible membership. They've got the best selection of audio titles from every genre, including true crime, celebrity memoirs, business, and so much more. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. I recommend The Art Thief by Michael Finkel. I love a good heist story. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash 48 hours. Opening the door was almost like opening a Christmas present because when I opened it and saw she was alive, I was really surprised. And I said, I'm okay. Because when he opened the door, he was screaming. It's okay, Mom. It's okay. It's okay. 
and she told me she was okay, and that was a little shocking at first. And then when she looked up and I saw blood everywhere, I knew that she was not okay. And I assured him that I was conscious, but I was afraid for us to stay near that car. I wanted to get away from that car so that they couldn't come back and shoot us all. So Will and my sister and my nephew got me out of the car and got me up to the porch. And my sister said to me as I was laying on the porch, you are quitting that job. And the pain is like never anything that like I felt before. It was excruciating. And I had a bullet behind my neck that was just under my shoulder and I knew I couldn't couldn't move. And once we got up to the porch, I mean, I really thought she was gonna die, so I kinda just told her goodbye. I mean, Will said goodbye to me. He, I told him I loved him. And we just waited for the police to come. It seemed like an eternity. Once I heard the sirens coming, I ran down to the street. Where's, where'd he go? He went down that way, dressed all black. I thought maybe we can get the guy who did it and then I don't have to spend the next however many years worrying about who it was, if she does die or even if she doesn't. A police arrive and I told one officer that I was a judge and I felt like it was related to my work. I knew that if I could remember and if I made it, I had to remember every second of what was happening. And once the shots were over, I turned to look behind me and I could see a car speeding away. And it was a gray sedan. I wanted whoever did this to be apprehended. I head out to where her house is at and where where the shooting occurred. So by the time I got to the scene, the judge had been transported to the hospital. The judge's car is in her driveway. One of the windows is shot out. There's lots of blood in there. And we ended up finding four cartridge cases um, that matched up uh, essentially to what the information we were getting from witnesses, both the witnesses who were there in the car and other you know, neighbors who heard the shots, uh, that there had been about four to five shots. Judge Kasurik had uh, many small gunshot fragments. She had uh, extensive wounds over her left shoulder, her face, her scalp, her right forearm, her left hand, her left forearm. But she was awake and she was stable. The judge's husband, Kelly, and Will's twin sister, Mary Frances, rushed to the hospital. Will arrived later after answering questions from police about the shooting. When I walked into the hospital, I still had her blood on me. And my sister came up to me and she was really upset and my dad was in there and I hadn't seen him since it happened. The bullet wounds with Judge Kasurik were a large number of small wounds, some larger wounds. All of them had this liquid copper metallic material within them. I had not seen anything like that before. I got a call from her doctor, just a very desperate call. Uh, And her doctor was like, what 
the hell did she get shot with? I described this particular bullet, and this was a um, sort of unique uh, ammunition, specially designed to be frangible, meaning that it, it comes apart, you know, when it strikes flesh, it comes apart. The bullet is meant to cause the maximum amount of damage. While four bullets were shot, the judge had hundreds of gunshot fragments and wounds. In between surgeries to remove the fragments, Judge Kasurik spoke with police. As someone who's heard every type of criminal case, she knew any clue, anything she could recall, could be important. I told the police I had had two hang-up calls the day before I was shot, and it was odd. And the week before, it was Halloween weekend, then I noticed this man that was dressed in street clothes jogging by and staring at me as I was putting up my Halloween decorations. And I waved at him and smiled, and he just stared at me. It was odd, but you know, it doesn't mean someone's gonna try to kill you. And a manhunt this morning for the gunman in the shooting of a Texas judge. I heard it on the news the next day. I was just horrified. Judge Kasurik didn't get shot because she's Julie. She got shot because she was doing her job, and uh, that's a real threat to the rule of law and the, and the judicial work. I'll tell you, when you're leaving the courtroom late at night and you're walking through a dark parking lot, you're looking over your shoulder differently than you were before uh, Julie got shot, because it could happen to me. I remember Sunday night, some friends came in to see me, and I felt hot. I didn't feel good. Judge Kasurik became critically ill on the second day of her hospitalization. Uh, she developed a high white blood cell count, which is a marker of infection, and a high fever as well. And we knew we needed to take her to the operating room in order to explore the wounds. Uh, in the operating room, it became apparent really quickly that she had a really bad infection and we knew that there was a, a significant chance that she might die. And it wouldn't have been safe to wake her up and, and to let her breathe on her own, so she was in a medically induced coma and had a tube that was breathing for her. I was going there every day to see her, so I knew that she wasn't, it was, I mean, you could tell she wasn't doing well by looking at her most of the time. I tried not to think about her possibly dying during that, because I figured that if we'd already made it through that, main event of it, then we could get through the infection. After the first couple of operations, she became less ill, um, and we were able to wake her up and take her out of that medically induced coma, and she was able to breathe on her own. I woke up, and I felt like I was in the depths of the earth. I have never felt that much psychological pain. My husband walked in, I said, how am I gonna get out of this hole? I am in a hole, and I don't know how to get out. And he said, take one day at a time. We're gonna get over this. I was so fearful that I wasn't going to be able to get my life back. I was worried for my children. I would have dreams about it every night, uh, couldn't sleep. Uh, I didn't want to go outside at night. I really stopped hanging out with my friends for a while after that. 
the guilt that I felt of choosing a profession that put my son and family in harm's way. There were times that I wanted to die. I felt like I was damaged goods and that my family would be a lot better off without me. They would be safer. Because we didn't know if it was going to be a continuing threat. I mean, that it would be hard to live your life with someone out there not knowing who was trying to kill you. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. And it needs to say, I'm a thoughtful person. And I appreciate you. And I know exactly what you like. All at the same time. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life, like the pickleballer, the jazz fan, the zen seeker, the artist, or the pasta lover. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there's something for everyone on Etsy. A gifting moment is always around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Gift easy with Gift Mode on Etsy. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. The hospital stay was horrific. I had open wounds on my whole arm and my face. The judge's left index finger was severely injured. She had an infection that involved the bone, and it became apparent that she would have a much more functional hand if we amputated that finger. I just remember coming out of surgery one day, and they were saying, we took off your finger. And it's got some deformities that I will live with the rest of my life, but I'm just happy to have an arm and a limb and to be able to use my hand. Judge Kasurik was was pretty remarkable, and her family was pretty remarkable, too. And I know this was an incredibly difficult time for her. She was thinking a little bit about herself, but I I think she was thinking more about the well-being of of her son and what her son had gone through. She mentioned that many times during the hospitalization. I questioned the security of my family, whether I could go back to work and feel like my family was going to be safe. In this particular case, you know, this is a public official. She's well-known. Her name is in the paper all the time. She's also a wife, a mother, 
a member of the community. Just because she's a judge, you can't ignore the fact that this could be just an ordinary motivation. It could be a husband trying to get rid of a wife. So these questions had to be asked. In the hospital, her husband agreed to sit down with me and I grilled him about all those things. I very quickly got the sense that that's not where it's at. I know that my probation officers and prosecutors, they were combing files when I was in the hospital. I was inundated with people giving us all sorts of names. I received a call from an investigator at the Travis County District Attorney's Office, and he told me that you know a couple weeks before they had received a tip saying that a particular person named Chimene Onieri was planning to shoot a judge in Travis County. After the shooting happened, an additional tip came in from the same tipster. Now she's saying not only did he say that he was going to, but now he's bragging that he did. We were very focused on Chimene Onieri. He was from Houston, a clean-cut, nice-looking kid. Mr. Onieri came before me on a motion to revoke probation. He's a 28-year-old who spent a considerable amount of time on his criminal activities. It was one of those criminal activities that first landed Onieri in Judge Kasurik's courtroom in 2012. It involved fake credit cards. Onieri was given probation. He came before her again in 2015 to revoke his probation due to new fraud charges. The judge kept him on probation pending a trial. It was a very, very ordinary case. Or so the judge thought. She would later learn Onieri was far more than a common criminal. He was running a complex financial criminal enterprise, and he wanted to make sure the judge wouldn't shut it down. I had found out that Mr. Onieri's girlfriend had known that he was planning to kill me and had called the district attorney's office. And she didn't use my name, but she said Chimney Onieri was planning on killing the judge. The district attorney's office investigator determined that she wasn't credible never spoke to me, never told me of the threat. That was a mistake. I mean, they should have uh, alerted the judges right then and there. It seems to me like that's Investigations 101 of they would let me know about the threat. It was disappointing. I would have been much more alert. There were signs in my neighborhood, had I known, in addition, that this threat had come in, I would have completely changed what I was doing and my family. What we learned is that when Onyeri walked out of that hearing in Judge Kosurik's court, the first thing he said is he's going to kill her. Now Chimene Onyeri is number one. So now we have to find Chimene Onyeri. Once I learned that Onyeri was our suspect, we also learned from the same informant that Onyeri was bragging about a murder he did uh, in Houston. It was the murder of a man who allegedly assaulted Onyeri's father. Now that this informant was coming forward to give information, they felt they had enough to charge him. And before I could even make it to Houston, 
The marshals had him in custody. A person of interest is in custody. He has been booked on an unrelated murder charge by the Houston Police Department. I got an alert on my phone that said they had found a suspect because I had turned on news alerts to see if they'd caught him or not. Once I saw his face, I'd have dreams and he was in it and he was trying to shoot me. Sometimes I'd have dreams where I could feel the bullets going into my back and I'd wake up and sweating and I realized that he was probably watching us for a while and figuring out what he was going to do and when he was going to do it. It felt like your whole life was violated. He was arrested only three days after the shooting. And that held him in Houston for a significant period of time while the investigation continued. Onyeri was a strong suspect in Judge Kasurik's shooting, but authorities did not yet charge him. They were working to build a larger federal case involving not just Judge Kasurik's attempted murder, but fraud and racketeering charges as well. It was a criminal ring with more than a dozen co-conspirators. When I talked to Onyeri, in terms of Judge Kasurik, you know, he absolutely denied any, any involvement in the shooting, that he would never do something like this. We had to have more evidence. We had to have an airtight case. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When I went to talk to Onyeri in Houston when he was arrested in Houston homicide, he denied, you know, being involved in any way in the shooting. And this case wasn't going to be a confession case. It was clear from that point we were going to have to prove every, everything that we were going to charge him with. There was the tip that he had actually shot the judge, and that's pretty good, a pretty strong clue that he was a significant suspect. Of course, one person saying something like that is not good enough, and it's not certainly going to prove someone guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So a lot of what went on then for the next months really was to try to corroborate the tip. And there were many things that helped corroborate the tip. Among them, ultimately, was his phone, which had been recovered in the car at the time of his arrest. When he was stopped by police in Houston, he destroyed his cell phone. And when I say he destroyed his cell phone, he ripped his cell phone in half. And fortunately for us, when he ripped it in half, he didn't break the storage card that was inside. So once we got the phone records, we could see that Onyeri was in Austin during the time of the shooting. I found out later 
that um, for a month he had driven to Austin on four or five occasions and sat in front of my house and watched us um, come and go. He stalked her the same way that uh, a hunter would stalk its prey, the same way law enforcement would surveil a, a, a bad guy in, in, in a case. He followed her, he learned about her, he researched her, he was able to track her movements, know where she was, knew about her family, and enlisted other people to try to gather evidence as well about her. It ranged from things like pictures of Judge Kasurik's car as he was following her around here in Austin, pictures of the high school that her son went to. And one of the pictures he took was of peacocks. It turns out there's a park near the judge's house that they call Peacock Park. And I guess he doesn't see too many peacocks uh, roaming around the streets of Houston, so it must have been a, a novelty. And so he snapped a picture of it. That helped as well because the judge, as soon as she saw those pictures, she knew right away where he was. We have pictures of Onyeri at the Motel 6 in Austin. We have pictures of Onyeri in a hardware store in Austin. He was there buying gloves that investigators believe were part of his plan to shoot the judge. And as the guy is ringing these up, which by the way, he's paying with a, a stolen debit card. As the guy is ringing this up, Onyeri's taking them out and he's putting them on. And he's like, oh, these are great. She got shot on November 6th and got out right before Christmas. Judge Kasurik was in the hospital for 40 days. Had 25 to 30 operations. After Judge Kasurik left the hospital, she still required pretty extensive work in order to recover. This included uh, hand therapy, extensive physical therapy, and multiple other operations as well. And she was pretty vulnerable because she couldn't even stand up really at the time. I didn't really like it because it felt like she could sit in the hospital and be safe all the time and being at home would make it, you know, easier to, uh, for somebody to get her and finish it if they wanted to. We were moved to a safe location. We had the SWAT team as um, watching over us, patrolling and with us 24-7 for 18 months. As a judge, I run every four years, and I don't know at what point, but I told my husband, you know, I have to file for re-election, and my sisters and brothers did not want me to go back to work. And I didn't initially. I thought about it long and hard. I knew she had to talk to her family about that. Uh, I knew that was going to be a hard conversation. and. She was eligible to retire, um, and so I wasn't sure what she was going to do. I questioned why I had gone into this line of work, and I mean, I'm coming face to face with the highest risk people in our community every day. So I called her over to my chambers after she was kind of on her feet, and I said, uh, Judge, I want to tell you two things. First, the judiciary's stand shoulder to shoulder with you. Please know that 3,000 judges in Texas um, are completely on your side. Second, do you want to stay? And if you do, do you want to help be a leader in advocating for greater uh, judicial and courthouse security? And I said, absolutely. 
I do. I want to use this experience to help other judges be safe. When someone does something like this to you, you just want to fight to get everything back that you had. So I had to go back, I felt like, to show that judges will not back down in the face of violence. I was very proud of her. When I stepped back in that courtroom, it was one of the happiest moments of my life, walking out and seeing all my friends and coworkers there. It affirmed what I knew that I needed to do. All of the, the goodness and love that's poured out far outweigh any evil in this world. The whole time, I wanted to make changes. I didn't want not want this to happen again to anyone. They were gonna draft legislation and create a court security committee and come up with ideas. We introduced the bill in early January in 2017, and we had named it the Judge Julie Kasurik Judicial and Courthouse Security Bill of 2017, and we were very proud of that name. It's very hard to do much to make judges completely secure, um, but there are a lot of things that makes it more difficult for somebody to find you. You can uh, change your address on your driver's license, on your voter records, and use a business address instead of the home address. Another piece of the legislation needed to be uh, paying attention to each and every threat. And as I told him, I think it was very therapeutic for Will and I to do this together. It made us feel like we were making a positive impact. The Judge Julie Kasurik Judicial and Courthouse Security Act of 2017. I thought maybe I would try and use my side of it to help because I really didn't want that to happen to anyone else. Madam Chair and members, I'm Will Kasurik. I'm 17 years old and I'm in favor of Senate Bill 42. To see a young man like that take on that big of cause, it was just stirring. I always thought that the violence that she saw would stay in, our, in her courtroom, but on November 6, 2015, that all changed. Made a huge impression on the legislators. Senate Bill 42 is finally passed. As the judge and Will worked to keep judges safe, investigators worked to bring Judge Kasurik's case to justice. The Houston DA dismissed the murder charge there saying it would help expedite the handling of Onieri's other offenses. Through our investigation, we were able to determine that he was basically creating his own little organized crime ring. And he was making money, which he liked to show off, as seen in this video found on his phone. In December of 2016, federal prosecutors indicted Onieri for his criminal conspiracy and the attempted murder of Judge Kasurik. He was charged with 17 counts, ranging from racketeering to identity theft to witness tampering. We spent years working on the case and getting it into a position that it was ready for trial. Today the trial began for the man accused of shooting a Travis County judge. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. The trial started in late March of 2018. Hello, hello, hello! We just got shot at! This guy just went up to the car and shot my mom. It's hard to listen to, frankly, to hear a 15-year-old thinking that his mother is going to die right in front of his face. Um, but we thought that was an important way to start. They called me in and I walked in and I saw all the people in the courtroom. I was excited to, to get it done, really. That was the, one of the hardest moments. It was almost as hard as the shooting, having to watch him testify. It was painful. Well, I didn't like looking back on it at all, but I was happy that I could get it over with. I felt tremendous guilt that my child had to go through this, and I was nervous for him, but he did beautifully. We had to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he intended to kill her. The best evidence of what was going on inside of Chimney Onieri's mind were his texts that showed his interaction with his friends and colleagues. He had been in her courtroom only a few weeks before the shooting, and his texts made it pretty clear when you read them. Almost immediately after walking out of her courtroom that day, he started using expletives to describe her. He described how much he hated her and how mad he was, and almost immediately after that, he started looking for her. The evidence showed that the defendant had selected a kind of what they call frangible round. And what it's designed to do is hit flesh and open up and cause the maximum amount of damage. Best way to see how it works is to see it in action. The FBI's lab fired similar rounds through similar materials. The slow motion depiction of that round Hitting a window was important for us to show the jury so they could understand the nature of the injuries that the judge suffered. When we first heard about Chimney and Yeri, we were told no one would ever testify against him because he had a reputation in Houston that would preclude anyone from, from flipping. Onyeri had been arrested in the past for murder and for robbery. And one of the ways that he got off was that he got the word out to all the witnesses, if you testify against me, it's going to be bad for you. We ended up having over a dozen people who, who decided it was in their interest to testify against him rather than sit next to him. We were able to have them testify to show their level of knowledge about not just in the shooting, but in the criminal enterprise that Onyeri was running. It was important to end with the victim being able to describe what had happened to her. I've testified about that night. Words can't describe how this has affected our family and me, but I tried to articulate it the best that I could. Just minutes ago, Shamin Onyeri admitted he fired a shot at Judge Julie Kasurik's car, which he says he thought was empty. His argument for the 
attempted murder was accident, essentially, that he had come to Austin because he was mad and that he intended to scare her by firing rounds into her vehicle that he did not know she was inside. He said he was just trying to scare me. But I think the evidence showed that when you shoot someone from four feet away with a handgun and aim it at their heads, that you intend to kill. He didn't, he didn't care if she was a judge or not. He, he looked at her as an impediment to his business, essentially, and he was going to take that impediment out. It was a month-long trial, trying to figure out what a jury's going to do and how they're going to do it and when they're going to do it is folly. Um, I anticipated they would be out for a significant period of time just because of the length of the trial. It was very stressful not knowing and having it in the jury's hands. And so I sat and tried to not second guess. They were out about a day, approximately a day, day and a half before they reached a verdict. Today, a jury found Chimene Onyeri guilty for shooting Judge Julie Kasurik back in 2015. It's guilty, guilty on all counts. When they actually did find him guilty and I was there, that's when I just felt a lot of relief for the first time and since it had happened. It was a tremendous relief when the trial was over. I didn't realize the pressure that it would have put on me physically and emotionally and on my family to have that over with, because we had been waiting for a long time. Chimney Onyeri faced a minimum of two years in federal prison and a maximum of life. This was an attack on the system, and that the message that needed to be sent to the community, to anyone thinking of doing something like this, is this will not be tolerated, period. Our informants continued to be in danger. Judge Kosert continued to re remain in danger as long as there was a possibility he was get out. So. The question was, what would be his punishment? Hear more of the emotional 911 call at 48hours.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To all my foot, back, and knee pain sufferers, this one's for you. Check out G-Defy, a modern footwear company on a mission to relieve knee, back, and foot pain. Every pair comes with two free custom orthotics to align your body perfectly. And their patented VersoShock trampoline technology in the heel absorbs harmful shocks and provides positive, renewed energy, empowering you to tackle your day. Don't just take my word for it. Read the countless customer reviews raving about the pain relief and amazing comfort they have experienced with GDefy shoes. Experience pain-free living for yourself and visit GDefy.com. That's G-D-E-F-Y.com. And use code PODCAST30 to receive $30 off your order of $100 or more. I felt like if he would try to assassinate a judge, he will try to kill anyone. I would not recommend a sentence. I think that's solely within the court's discretion. I know it's a difficult job from personal experience. It's never easy to sentence another human being 
to prison. But I really wanted to have safety for my family and the community. Chimney Anyera was sentenced to life in prison. I am so proud of the way these agencies came together to show that the justice system will prevail, and that's why I came back to work in the first place. We didn't celebrate that he was got life in prison. We just were relieved that it was over. I don't hold any vengeance or hatred towards him, but I want him to be in a place where he will not hurt anyone else. It just feels so good to wake up in the morning and know that my family is safe from Mr. Onieri and his associates. It's not something that keeps me up at night. Sometimes it does, but not always. I've just kind of gotten used to it because it's something that I've lived with for a while. Our family will never be the same. Unfortunately, we don't have the carefree feelings that we used to have. I have this picture of our family in Colorado three months before this happened. And I remember that hike like it was the best time of our lives because it was so free and so safe. I long to feel that way again. We're getting there, but it's a process. I'm more aware of what's going on around me which sometimes is not a good thing because it's, you know, it's hard to have a good time when I'm always worried about that. Going off to college was hard because I was worried something would happen to my parents while I was gone. It's taught me how easy it is to lose people around you um, and how easy it is for something to happen that you never would have expected to happen. He was the hero in this whole thing. He showed tremendous courage but he did his best to save my life and protect me. If Will had not have stayed by my door, the passenger side, the shooter could have come directly up to my window, but Will stood firm and would not let him get close to me. You know, a 15-year-old boy should not have to do that. Some people might look at my hand as scarred and, you know, skin grafts, but I think of it every day as my heroic hand. It saved my life and it shielded my head and my throat and my eyes from all that shrapnel that hit me on that night. Judge Kasurik is doing extremely well. She's living her life. Uh, she's actually probably doing better than, than I would have anticipated. I felt like I would never be able to go anywhere by myself again. And at night, the feelings of, it haunts you, it haunts you. But I've been through a ton of therapy. It brought me back to being able to do things that I did not think that I would ever be able to do again because I was so afraid. I was frozen by fear. These are letters from people that came in after the shooting. I call it my wall of support. People that I don't even know sent me letters, and that's, you know, judges, fellow judges from other states, inmates, some that I had sentenced. When I think about how long I was in the hospital and where I was and how far I've come, and this is just a reminder, these letters will stay up 
as long as I'm on the bench. She's an inspirational person, and many people would have decided, you know what, the amount of money I make in the public sector is not worth risking my life, and I, and I don't ever want to get back on that bench again. It's a credit to her that she had the courage and the ability to get back up there and do her job. What will Judge Kasurik's legacy be? I think it will be, uh, first, that she was a good judge. But nobody will ever forget that she got shot. She has really turned uh, that terrible uh, situation uh, into something that has made the state a better place. I don't know what my legacy will be, but if I were to go today, it would be the Judicial Security Act as far as my professional life. And I don't know what life holds. I'm going to be on the bench for a lot longer. And I will go wherever this leads me to help people. Other states are now following Texas's lead, moving to improve judicial security. Judge Kusarek is more determined than ever to seek re-election. If you like 48 Hours, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join me, 48 Hours correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the secrets within families, cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved. Enjoy My Life of Crime on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on Wondery Plus.